great to um, see you all, and uh, thank you more so much this morning. Looking forward to a great time of just hearing around the Word. We've uh, had a wonderful time already just celebrating God's goodness and uh, just enjoying His presence. Just have a little bit of feedback. We went up last weekend to, to a city called Lusaka in Zambia to go and celebrate friends of ours who celebrated their 10th birthday. And I mention this because these are people that we are in partnership with and uh, we took a bit of time out to go and see them and just to celebrate what God's doing. And actually, I should have had some pictures for you just to show. But it was an amazing moment. They, they meet in three different venues on a Sunday. And uh, this past one, they had all of those different venues come together in one. And they had a big um, hangar for airplanes that they use. There's a mission organization called Flying Mission up in Lusaka. They have a ministry that they fly across the whole country and I guess beyond Zambia even as well and they their people are from the church and they availed their, their facility and so it was really great we went out and had the meeting and had a picnic afterwards and and then this ministry available made their vehicle oh, their vehicles their, their planes available and they said for ten dollars we'll take you for a flip and it was amazing just how many people of the church went and I uh, just saw Lusaka from I mean, I think it's a better view of Lusaka, because Lusaka is not a pretty place. So if you go up in the air, maybe it looks a little bit better. Um, but nevertheless, they, they went and they had a great time together, and it was good for us to go and just to celebrate with them what God is doing in that city. And uh, we celebrate what God's doing in this city. And I, I want to pray that yesterday's events will not deter anything about what God is busy doing in this country. Could you agree with me? As if you didn't know what happened, um, there was an... Strange thing that happened at White City Stadium and to harm people and are in agreement with the local or the current government or not. We are not losing focus here because every time I move, it, it seems like this thing is really letting us down. I think we have no right to kill. So you cannot... Um, condone that sort of behavior. We've got to condemn that. And as believers, we've got to say, no, that's not right. Okay? And so I think it's good for us just to pray. And we're not praying for a political party. We're praying for God to have His way done in this nation. And that people will be calm and that people will be wise as they go about making decisions. Correct? And so, Father, we thank you this morning that we can pray. Your word is very clear that it says that we need to pray for our leaders. And we pray, Father, for our leaders of this nation that are in a tight spot at the moment. We have elections coming up, Lord God, and it's always a, a struggle and, and all sorts of things can happen. But, Lord God, in regards to yesterday's events, we thank you that it will not deter from what you are planning for this nation. And um, the elections, Lord God, we again bring them to you and pray for your peace upon Zimbabwe. Lord God, you will reign and you do reign in this nation. And no attempt of the enemy will, will deter because this is not God. We've got to agree, Lord God, yesterday's events is not you. You do not act like that. And Lord God, in the midst of a moment like that, you can still use it to let your glory be known and not let the enemy um, be victorious. And so, Father, we pray just your hand upon our leaders pray for wisdom. We pray for calm, Lord God. We pray for, for minds of men and women not to run away at this moment and become reactionary and, and, and uh, Lord God, devise evil plans. We come against every evil plan of the enemy that's trying to interfere in this nation. And actually, God, it, it's just a moment again for us as believers to understand we have a responsibility to pray for our nation. And let us not become complacent, O oh God to just allow things and just say, well, it's not part of my responsibility. Let them do whatever they want to do. Father, we are from this nation, we are in this nation, and we have a responsibility towards this nation. And so we pray for the people of Zimbabwe that your peace will reign in this nation. We pray for the people, Lord God, that were injured. And we pray that your grace will be upon them. We pray, Lord God, that their hearts will not become hard in this moment and the people around them, but that your heart, your heart will soften our hearts. And your spirit will do a wonderful work in our lives. We trust you, Father, for an outcome that will be God-glorifying. In this particular week, Lord God, following this event, we pray for just peace and wisdom and calmness 
upon many people that are involved and also us, Lord God, as your people. We trust for that. And everybody agreed with me, say, Amen. Amen. Let's keep our eyes focused on God. Then obviously you've got your eyes focused a little bit, not on me. It's on what you see behind me. And uh, it's been a, a desire of us to do this. We've been speaking to you about it for many, many months. And, and finally we've been able to bring this about. And I just want to honor some, some people that have really made this possible. The people have been uh, willing to donate towards this. And we thank them for that. And, um, and then there were people that were prepared to, to drive up all the way from Pretoria. We just mentioned the, the conference that we invited you to in, in Pretoria, a, a church called Capital City Church International. They used the name 3CI. And, and they, we've been friends with them for many years. And um, in, in this friendship, we've been speaking about how do we do stuff like this. And, and there's just some skills in that church that have been able to help us and give us advice and, and just come up with wonderful plans and ideas to make this possible. And not only have they done that, but they've sowed um, into this particular thing, but also by sending people to come up. And so there are three guys that came up this week to come and work four full days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and gave extremely... Um, well, gave of themselves an extremely way, extremely good way, and uh, and just work incredibly hard. So, where are those chaps, um, Tion and Craig and Ricky? Why don't you just stand? Um, I think we just want to. You guys have been amazing. Bless you. Thank you so much for coming. Um, you can sit down. I, I just want to say that we've had as I said to you, this wonderful relationship with the church there. And it means that we learn from one another. And uh, they've, they've been incredible in helping us, just some, some ideas and thoughts. And, but then being willing to come and put that into practice has been incredible. So Ricky has done a lot of preparation work, getting it all ready, and, and came up. And Craig came with, and Craig is newly married. He had to leave his wife behind. So if he gets a little bit teary there, you'll understand. And then... Um, my son Tian came up. It's his time to, to, to have a break and it's his recess, but he came to also work. And I just want to honor you guys for that. Just giving of yourselves and coming into Zim and driving with a lot of equipment, getting through the border has been remarkable. So well done. Thank you so much for it. And uh, Yanka, you want to do some video thing that you want to send to 3CI and um, just thank them. And, but we want to use you to, to thank them. So I don't know how you want to do this. Should I sing a song and just, like, I actually composed this song for this moment. So these guys have literally been filming everything. Um, if you know what a time lapse is, it's like takes a photo every odd, you know, whatever seconds you want. And I don't know, I think we said it like 30 seconds or every one minute uh, for the last four days, we've been taking a picture of this backdrop. So will have like a time lapse of everything happening over four days, which is going to be really cool. And they've been taking shots of it um, and to capturing it so that they can go back to 3CI, the church that they're from, to show the work that they came to do. And uh, these guys are amazing. They came up, they bought like this massive cooler box of cold drink and snacks. And like anybody that pulled in to come and help, they were like, hey, just pull in, grab a Coke, help us nail some stuff to the wall. Um, they had a lot of patience when there were like 20 teenagers that showed up and said, I want to paint. And we went through like five liters in like an hour and we had to get more paint. Um, but as a church, they sewed. And they're going to show the, a video to the church, I'm sure, of the work. And I want us to honor the church, 3CI, this morning. And so I want us to shout out, thank you, 3CI, so they can add that to their video with your faces, not the backdrop but your faces. Okay, so you, you understand that, you're fine with it. So we need to practice that because, you know, like this is now, we're representing a whole country. Uh, so uh, we're going to shout, thank you, 3CI. Okay, we're going to practice that. Three, two, one. Thank you, 3CI. Okay, that's nice. One more time, nice and loud, okay? No, I didn't count down. Yes, see, I knew this. Okay, three, two, one. Thank you, 3CI. Okay, I'm not going to use the mic, okay, so that it's not just me. It's recording, eh? 
Um, uh, no, we're going to stand. Let's stand. One, two, three. Let's try it one more time. Three, two, one. Let's go. Okay, that's good. One more time. One last take. Three, two, one. Loud. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, guys. Sit down. <laughs> okay. Jeez, that was good. Father, we thank you for partnerships. We thank you for just your grace as you build your church. And the church is not one particular church, one individual church. It's the church of Jesus worldwide. And so we honor you for what you're doing through the church worldwide. And we thank you that as an individual church here in uh, Buloao, Lord God, we can see you build your church through King City Church. And we thank you for these wonderful partnerships like with 3CI. Pray, Lord, that you will bless them richly for this incredible support that they've given us. And bless these men, Lord God, that have given so much um, of their of their time and their energy to come and serve us. And thank you, Father, for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. And thank you to everybody else that came during the week, popped in yesterday. There were a whole lot of people that came to work. We thank you for your effort and um, for all that you've come to do. God bless you for that. And there will be more of these kinds of moments that we want to create to involve you as we continue just to build a place that will bring glory to God. But I think the thing that we ask on, of each other more is not ours to build a structure, but a life to build a church. That is more of an effort, isn't it? We thank God for this. And it's a beautiful picture that, that Clive explained and described of us fitting together. But we're asking each other to give towards that, give our lives towards a bigger thing. So thank God for that. And uh, this morning, it's my privilege to carry on on our journey through Nehemiah, and uh, we started by focusing on the importance of the Word. And um, during the particular two chapters that I want us to focus on this morning, we'll see how, just again, how the Word was valued and, and appreciated by the people. And, and I, I want to, again, just as we, as we get a, a zoom-out picture of Nehemiah, consider just two simple things. There's a the, the, the um, title of my message this morning is Loving God is Loving His Word. Loving God is Loving His Word. We can't separate the two. If you love God, you've got to love His Word because God is the Word. And so the book of Nehemiah can fall into two sections. Again, we, we notice and we spend a lot of time on the reconstruction of the actual wall that God came and inspired Nehemiah to reconstruct the wall. But then there's another section that, that so often is not focused on, and that is the reinstruction foc um, focus and, and, and emphasis that comes through the Word, through the, the, the whole book of Nehemiah, where God was saying, listen, there are some things that you've left. You've, you've, you've not focused on them. You've, you've done all sorts of other things, and I need to reinstruct you, refocus your lives towards me. So it's all good that the wall is being repaired and the reconstruction of that took place, but there's a reinstruction that needs to come. And it's very similar to where we are as human beings constantly, that God reconstructs our lives and we're kind of falling apart and things are not great and they're not working the way that they should. And then as God repairs that, He also reinstructs us and says, the reason why you fell apart and you were in a state that you were is because you weren't following my ways. You weren't listening to me and I need you to listen again. Isn't it? That this kind of happens all the time in our lives, isn't it? That there's a reconstructing, like, oh my goodness, I, I've, I've fallen behind and I've, I'm failing in this and I'm not... My life is, is in a mess, and I can see signs of that. And then God comes and He says, I want to re-instruct you. I want to re-guide you. And so this morning, I want us to look at three things as we just ponder again on Nehemiah and uh, the importance of what we want to uh, study from this, from this um, book. But then my aim is actually that we will focus on how to love God's Word. I want us to enjoy the Word of God as a people together. The greatest thing that we could see happen to us is as we, I mean, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He says, love, love me and love people. 
And loving God means loving His Word. And if we can, as a church, grow in loving His Word, we're going to certainly grow. Because loving His Word will mean that there's a certain lifestyle that will come from loving His Word. And so the aim really is, is to say loving God is important and simultaneously is loving His Word. We cannot disconnect those two. So if we look again at Nehemiah, and I want you to turn there with me in your Bibles, and again in your devices, just swipe there, or whatever you want to do, flick that finger to Nehemiah chapter 8, and we're going to see how the people in Nehemiah valued the, the Word of God, and, and how from their lifestyle we can just again be inspired as how we ought to love the Word of God. And so we find that in this portion, we, we read about a guy called Ezra. We used to be very conscious of the man called Nehemiah throughout the, 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 the book. But then suddenly in chapter 8, we, we find that, that Nehemiah is kind of like in the background and Ezra appears. So Ezra brings the law um, with him, which is really the book of God. Remember, if you think with me, but if you read about a story in the Bible where a person reads the law or reads the book of God, it's not the entire Bible. Do you agree? Because by the way, if you can clearly think with me, that the rest of the Bible wasn't outplayed yet. It hadn't happened yet. So he would read what had happened up to that time, which is really the law of God, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis through to Deuteronomy. And so those books were at their disposal, and, and it wasn't freely printed and widely available as we have the Bible today. It was a script that was presented to them and was only given to, to the priest to read. And so it wasn't, you know, every household had, had one of these. So people would gather to read it. And, and Ezra now here, who is also one of those that returned from exile, he had come about 13 years before Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem, that's the place that they returned to. They were taken captive, and now they came back. Ezra came about 13 years before um, Nehemiah arrived in, in Jerusalem. And so during that time, Ezra was part of the rebuilding of the temple. Nehemiah came and was part of the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem. Okay. Then at a particular point here in chapter 8, we find that Ezra is now reading the law. And it's actually at an appointed time. Because according to law, they had to read it at this particular time. Done every year, every seventh year rather. In Deuteronomy you can read that. That every seventh year the people had to gather so that the law in its entirety could be read to them. How's that? Eh? Every seventh year only. Some of you would feel like, oh, that's great because I haven't read the Bible for that long. That's bad, okay? That's not supposed to happen these days anymore. Because you have a Bible that you can read every seven minutes. But the point is, yeah, they, they were eager, and we see in chapter 8 how eager they were. They asked for it in chapter 1. They were attentive and listening to it in, in uh, verse 3, rather, in chapter 8 and verse 1. Then we see that as Ezra stood reading it, and by the way, it's quite amazing. At that moment, they built a little bit of a stage for Ezra to read. And so here we are, we're on a little bit of a stage today. And Ezra stood on, and people also stood listening to him as he read it. And, and even after that, they were helped to understand the word better because they needed to know it. Um, and they continued listening to it. And in chapter 8 and verse 18, you read about that even further. Now, it's interesting. As they read the word, they recognize where they've gone wrong because the manual of life has now been, been read to them again. And they're exposed to the truth, so they see where they've deviated from the truth. And that's why the truth is so important. You don't get the truth, you don't know that you're missing the truth. Uh-huh. Because otherwise your truth is just very random in a sense. Well, I think this is the truth, or, or that is the truth. This is the truth. The Word of God is the truth. And if we don't have the truth in us, we don't know whether we're missing it or not. So how do you know if you're following the truth? By reading the truth, isn't it? By observing the truth, by, by studying the truth. Not by saying just, I know about the truth. Well, it's a verse that you read seven years ago, possibly. Maybe not at extreme. But the point is still, we've got to expose ourselves to the truth. And as they did, they found out that, boy, we're missing some stuff. Let me show you just one example. 
in chapter 9, they still have been in this process where a couple of days they've been reading it and, 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 and observing what they should be doing. We see in chapter 9 of Nehemiah, verse 34, the following. Can I read it to you? It says, Our kings and our princes, this is now um, them saying this to God and, and responding to God. It said, Our kings and our princes, our priests and our fathers have not kept your law or paid attention to your commandments and your warnings that you gave them. So they recognize the five books that we have at our disposal, our kings and our priests and, and our fathers have not been observing these things. They realize it. Why? Because the truth is presented to them. Like, oh my goodness, as you read it, Ezra, we realize that we've been following our own path. We've missed the truth. And so unless you read the truth, you don't know whether you're missing the truth. Correct? All right, so that's, this is what they say, and it carries on. Even in their own kingdom, and amid your great goodness that you gave them, and in the large and rich land that you set before them, they did not serve you or turn from their wicked works. Now listen to this. A realization is now coming to them. It says, Behold, we are slaves this day in the land that you gave to our fathers to enjoy its fruit and its good gifts. Behold, we are slaves. Why do they realize they are slaves? They are hearing the truth and that they are observing that the way that they, lit, they, they are living at that moment is different from the way that God is prescribing and they have consequently become slaves. Sometimes it is very helpful for us to consider the truth because the truth may expose to us that we are slaves or not. And so if you keep on ignoring the truth, ignoring the Bible, you may end up in slavery. You may not even know it until you return to the truth. Do you see that? And what we're trying to encourage one another with is a return to the Word, is a lifestyle according to the Word, not a religious following of just reading through chapter by chapter but not observing it, not following it, not applying it to our lives. And so we see here that as they even read it, they became aware of the fact that they possibly were slaves. And then we see the response in chapter 9 and verse 38 where they made a covenant with God and, and it's brilliant and the application therefore following. So it's brilliant to see just how loving God equals loving His Word. And so the first thing was just how Nehemiah and the example of Nehemiah is very clear to us how the people followed the word and how they valued it. The second thing I want to mention to you and ask you actually as a question is how important is the word still today? How important is the word still today for us? Because it is real and it should be applied in our lives today still. It's not something that is just relevant for back then. It is relevant today. And, and so I want to take you a little bit beyond Nehemiah for this purpose. Is that okay? To help you understand that the, the Word of God is still so relevant. It's not just a beautiful story that we're reading about from Nehemiah. It's still relevant today. And we're going to do that by turning a little bit further on in our Bible to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, or chapter 3 rather, and I read a whole chapter together. How's that? Would you handle that? A whole chapter of the Bible we're going to look at, and we're going to dissect it a little bit this morning and see what we can learn about from this portion. And you know what? I think it's really great. I see it in Nehemiah. They did it, and it's not a religious exercise. Why don't we just stand and read it together? I read it, you just follow it with me. But I want you to stand. It's a great way of just saying, God, your word is important to us. And it's also another way to keep people awake. <laughs> anyway, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I'll read. My Bible is the English Standard Version, so it may differ from yours a little bit if you follow. It says, but understand this. This is Paul writing to a young man called Timothy. He says that in the last days, there will be times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of themselves, 
lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Jonas and Jambres opposed, opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which, persecu which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how you, from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and, for prof and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Praise the Lord for His Word. You may sit down. Amazing, amazing, the Word of God. And, and, and I'm wanting to use this portion of Scripture to, to compare two worlds to us today. And the two worlds are separated through the application of the Word of God. And in Timothy here, in this chapter, find that the Word of God separates these two, two worlds. I want to, first of all, look at the Word, where it's absent in our world. I want us to then look at, from this portion, where the world is present in our lives trying to help us understand the value again about the Word. We cannot just impose this on people and say, Hey, you've got to read the Word. How lost have you read the Word? We've got to help people understand the value of the Word so that we will willingly discover the truth of God in the Word. And I think for too long we've religiously almost imposed the importance of the Word on people and say, Guys, you've got to read the Word. You've got to spend time in the Word, and it's right that we, that we encourage one another towards it. But you know what is helpful? is to give me a reason why. I've got to understand the why behind this. So that I can in my heart agree. I want it because I understand the why. Does it make sense? Some of you, at least the others, maybe by the end of the meeting, you'll also understand it. But anyway, the point is this, that in these two worlds, we see these following things. And I'm going to just repeat what we've just seen. And just perhaps explain it a little bit. So when the word is absent, we see from verses 1 to 9 the following things. Very clear. We become self-lovers. Self-explanatory, hey? Selfies is part of that, I guess. Ooh, ooh. When you spend 200 attempts on trying to take the best or the you know, the perfect picture of yourself. I hope that's not a selfie there, Ingrid. Are you taking of that? Hey, it's just that. <laughs> when I've read this, that people, the teenagers, they talk about this in America, not in Zimbabwe. There's this girl that said, I'll take 200 attempts at taking the right selfie. 200. You become self-absorbed. And that's what we're living in, in a self-absorbed environment. And we've got to understand that unless we have the Word part of our lives, we'll all go that route too. So people become self-lovers. They become lovers of money. And um, that is very, very possible to happen. They become proud. 
become so full of themselves that they focus on themselves and, and, and then care about humility and, and laying down their lives. And we become arrogant. Not only am I arrogant, I'm now, I'm not only am I proud, but I'm, I'm full of arrogance towards one another. I become abusive in various ways. These are elements, signs of, of us living without the Word in our lives. We become disobedient to parents. We just want to do our own thing. Like, well, I don't care what my parents ask or think or expect of me. I can do my thing. Somebody sent me a video yesterday about this girl that was interviewed on Dr. Phil's show saying that I cannot manage on two and, two and a half thousand. Or the mom wanted to lower her, her uh, uh, support of uh, $2,500 every month to $1,000 or something. She's like, no, 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 I can't do that. It's like, never! It's impossible! And I want this kind of car. Mom wanted to buy a Mercedes C-Class. This is a 16-year-old girl, by the way. It just brings some context also. She said, no, no, I want this car. And then Mom, Dr. Phil, the visor, and said, listen, maybe you should start working, get a job and take some response. <laughs> no, I can't work. <coughs> and she was in tears, just messed. I mean, we laugh, but it's a reality. I mean, it happened. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> this is stuff that happens out there. We become ungrateful. When we realize the beauty of the Word and, and, and what we can get from God, we are thankful. But when we don't have that, we lead, it leads us to the place where we're ungrateful. It leads us to a place of being unholy. We don't care about guidelines. We don't care about the truth. We just do our thing. We don't mind. We become heartless or unkind. Become so full of ourselves that we're unkind towards people. And so when we do not confront ourselves with the truth from Scripture, these are the symptoms that will become evident in our lives because we lead fleshly lives. It's just signs of the flesh, really. Another thing that we do is we become unappeasable or greedy. Nothing is ever good enough. I just want more. I just want more. I become slanderous or insulting. I just tell people what I think about them. I become, I live without self-control, and I'm just going to rush through these. I become brutal or cruel. I don't care about the good. I don't love the good. I become treacherous, unfaithful. Nobody can depend on me. I become reckless, irresponsible. I become swollen with conceit. I can be full of pride. I become lovers of pleasure, a lover of pleasure rather than a lover of God. That's serious. I pretend to be godly, but there's nothing of the reality of God in me. I deny the power of God. That's when the Word is absent. That's really when God is absent. God is the Word, hey? But how do you learn about God if you don't have the Word? These things are there. They, 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 they're knocking at the door of our lives if we ignore the Word. Because it's through the Word that we are changed. And listen, let me show you what happens if the word is present. Now that we've seen when the word is absent, what could happen? When the word becomes present in our lives, and I'm not saying about having a Bible in your house and the word is now present. <laughs> Who has the word present in their lives? Well, we've got a Bible in ours, and we've got five Bibles in ours. Well, do you ever read them? Oh, I don't know. It's a bit difficult to understand. Well, bring the word into your heart so that it become present so that the fruit of that could happen. Let's look at the fruit of that. In verse 14 to 17, we read these things. Man, this is incredible stuff. It says we contrast the word, the world rather, not the word. Because it says in here, but as for you, Timothy, but as for you. We've looked at the example of people without the word, but as for you, Timothy, you contrast something that is different to what we see out there in the world. And we'll see why. But you see what happens if the Word is present in our lives. We live differently. We're not, live, we're not living with an arrogance and say, Oh, look at me. I'm amazing, isn't it? No, we contrast pride. We contrast those things that we looked at. Without the Word, you ain't going to contrast that. You're going to just follow that. It says in verse 14b, we continue, he says to him, but as for you, continue in what you have learned. So he means, hey, endure, carry on, don't stop. 
When we have the Word in our lives, there's an incredible stickability that comes, an endurance that says, I see the bigger picture. Because I read the bigger picture. I see that God ultimately wins. Not me, He. And that there is hope. I have an understanding of the bigger picture and therefore I endure. We see that in verse 15a. talks about Paul encouraging Timothy about something. He says, continue what you have learned in verse 14 and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Credible. Timothy seems not to have been a first generation believer. He's his mother, and it talks about his grandmother, had explained things to him, has taught him stuff. And so from a childhood age, he had been aware and exposed to stuff, which means that there's a consistency that had come in his life. And I want to encourage you, whether you're a first-generation believer, meaning that your generations before you never believed, or whether you have been influenced by your other generations, and you're not saved because of them. You've just been influenced by them so that you can become a believer. And many of you have grown up in such families. Whatever the background is, is actually not so important now. But what is important is what you leave behind. What legacy are you building for others to follow in? Whether you have children or not, people around you. All of you are influencers. You influence wherever you go. And so help yourself but help others to build a consistency in your life by referring to the word living from the word it says in verse 16 this wonderful thing that paul writes he says all scripture is breathed out by god or verse 15 but b there's another one that 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 helps us to understand what happens when the word is present we up, we obtain wisdom for life Paul talking about it. I'm going to rush through them. It says we experience God because God breathes His Word to us. It's God Himself that breathes through Scripture to us. And that everything in Scripture is inspired by Him. So if you want to get to know God, get to know the Word. We are connected to God through the Word. We cannot live without the Word. You cannot be connected to God without the Word. Because it's God's breath over us. Some of you don't appreciate when people breathe over you, do you? I mean, sometimes it's just like, whoa, buddy, just stop it. Would you just breathe in that direction? Because something of him or her comes your way, huh? You want me to come and breathe? I had a good brush this morning. I'm sure it'll be okay. But the point is, it's a little bit personal. Imagine this where it says the Scripture is God's breath over us because all scripture is breathed by god inspired by him it's him in a very personal way connecting to us now you disconnect yourself from the word you disconnect yourself from god see that trying to just help you understand the value of the word and through this God-breathed and God-inspired word, we see the following takes place. The fruit of that is that it says, we receive what is profitable for teaching. In other words, we are guided. Positive instruction we need to serve God is given to us. We are guided through the word. The next thing that it says that it helps us with is that it, it's there for reproof. <laughs> And that's what the Israelites, remember the Jews realized that they needed the reproving of the Lord. And actually what it means is we are reprimanded. The rebuke needed when we turn away from truth and righteousness. Another thing that it does in Scripture, it says it's there for correction. And so we are corrected through the Word. This is the adjustment that is needed when we make mistakes. Another thing that it says it does, it's, it, it trains us in righteousness. And so... We are trained. This is being made ready to serve God and, and be useful in His kingdom. So you, you take the word away. You're not trained. You're not corrected. You're not reprimanded. You're not rebuked. You're not counseled. You're not corrected. You're not guided. You're like, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm around. I'm just, I'm just breathing. But you ain't living. You fall back into where the word is absent. 
Now, I can't understand why this is happening in my life and why that's an happening in my life. And it's like, well, what's guiding you? What's correcting your ways? How many of you know that we need correction? All right? And if you don't have a, a standard that can correct you, who's going to correct you? You're going to just live your life oblivious to any form of, of principled lifestyle. And if we don't have the Word, we don't have that. Then we just live according to our own preferences. And so it says we are trained. And then verse 17 talks about so that the man of God, and we know that in the Bible when it says the man of God, it involves the woman of God too. So all ladies you are involved, included. It says may be complete. Not perfect, but just repaired, put together. Without the word, we're like, stuff is lying around and it's in a mess. Oh, I love order. That's why I love this. Eh? I just absolutely love it. I just love order in my life. I love it when things are together. I love my cupboard. I want my shirts over there. I want my shorts over there and all in line. And Sean, you're loving this, I'm sure. Hey, eh? um, I don't know why your name just came up. It's just like, <laughs> um, it's just I love order. And, and I, I, I believe God loves order too. That's why He created the world in a, in a specific order, this world. And, but He loves order in our lives when our lives are ordered towards Him. And so when the Word of God comes into our lives, our lives are ordered so that we can be repaired and, and put together and not loosely lying all over the place. Some people's cars are like that. I get into the car, I'm like, where's the steering wheel? I don't see it. It's like in such a mess, I don't even know where the steering wheel is. It's like, oh, there it is, amongst all the cans and the whatevers and stuff, and I'm not mentioning any names. But, boy, I love a car where you know exactly. Did you know that a clean car drives better than a dirty car? I'm telling you, if you've never known that, go and clean your car this afternoon, I'm telling you, go for a ride like you've never had a ride before. Anyway, the Word of God does that. And then it finally, it equips us, ready for what needs to be done. God wants to use your life. But you see, unless you have the Word, you have not been equipped. You've not been prepared. You've not been enabled to know how to do this work that God has called you to do. So cut the Word out of your life. You're sitting there feeling useless. Bring the Word in. changes your life forever. So how can this be done? How can this become the way we live today? And it's very clear that without the Word of God, we cannot. And so, first of all, let me just share with you this scripture out of 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. Because the Word of God is difficult. How many of you believe and agree that the Word of God is difficult to read? It's like, let's do a Mexican wave. Whoa! All right, there's one hand there. Now, everyone will agree that it's difficult to read the Word. But it's possible to read it and it's possible to understand it. It absolutely is. The problem is that we have all these excuses why we can't. We cannot understand it. And, and well, the literacy, I'm not Bible literate, you know, and, and the languages that they use and the, the style that they write and, and the background and the history and, and all these excuses that we have. I can't understand the Bible, so I just, boom, cut myself out. It's amazing that that in the Bible, it talks to a variety of people, and even to children. Because in Ephesians 6, by the way, it says, and children, this is how you need to treat your parents. Do you think it's talking to, parent, to children, or is just, well, hopefully one day some parent will pick it up and just read it to their children? It's actually indicating that the Bible is written for, for adults and children, for everybody to understand. And so we need to understand that the key to us understanding the Bible is the heart, is not the head. Because 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 says this, listen to me. It says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So the natural man, the person who is not born again, who doesn't have a relationship with God, this will be crazy to him to read. Doesn't make sense. 
Because the cross doesn't even make sense. Jesus dying on the cross doesn't make sense. But when you read the bigger picture, you understand the beauty of the cross, and you understand the need for you to submit to what happened at the cross. And then you read the Bible, and you start seeing how it changes your life. This is it. The Bible is written by someone for someone. It's not just written. It's written by God using man and woman to write it. And they weren't just, you know, sitting there and robotically influenced by God and uh, even know what I'm saying. No, they were inspired by God. God breathed upon them to write this. And so it was written by God through people for someone. And they look around the people that it's written for. All right, yeah. And so we need to encourage one another that the Bible has the, pot the incredible potential to change our lives forever. Forever and ever. And I want us to, next week, carry on just looking at the importance of the Bible because I don't want to rush into what I want to share next. I want you to, at this point, just stop and consider where you are regarding the Word. And it's not a, a condemnatory moment. It's not a religious moment of saying, when last have you read the Bible? It's just, what value does the Bible have currently in your life? And by the way, if you don't have a Bible here this morning, we have these Bibles that a friend of ours from South have just donated. I've got boxes of Bibles that I'm not going to just freely hand out because I don't believe in that. I believe in rather helping people understanding the Bible first. So it's like giving somebody a key and they don't even know how to use a car and it's like, okay, go drive it. So if you have a need for a Bible, come and speak to one of the elders and we'd love to talk it through with you. And inside this Bible is actually a very nice little booklet that says, help, how, how should I read my Bible? Um, that I just saw. So, very helpful tool to have a Bible. It's a very simple translation. Point is, if you don't have a Bible and you need help, please come and talk to us. But I want to encourage us to not leave this meeting feeling, oh, I've never not read the Bible of late and I can't remember when I last read it. That's not the point. I want you to allow God to stir something in your heart about the Word about the Word. Just realizing, God, maybe I've become oblivious and a little bit ignorant about how valuable the Word is and how, want, how valuable you want it to be to me. I've been ignoring it. I've kind of, I don't understand it. And we want to help you understanding it better. Next week we'll talk about that. How you can better understand the Bible and how it can become a useful tool in your hand. We have a responsibility towards one another to help each other with that. But first I want to help you understand that the Bible is incredibly valuable. And I refer back to just that moment where when Ezra stood up, they built a little platform for him to stand up so that people can probably just hear him. When he stood, the people stood. Why did they stand? It's like, no, no, actually sit down because it's better for you to sit down so that you can hear what I'm I would think that. But is it because they, they realized, and there's been an absence of the word in our lives? We've not listened to this. And it's possible that they, they're supposed to hear it every seventh year. Maybe they have skipped it. Because Ezra hadn't done it for 13 years in that context. Maybe, maybe they skipped it. And they become so aware of the deviation from not hearing the word and what influence that it had on their lives that they stood and said, God, Please, we're standing in recognition of our need for the truth to guide our lives. And this morning, I want to ask you not to stand. I want you to respond in your heart to God. And that standing this morning may be walking out of here and saying, God, I want to in my heart return to the beauty of the word. The practice of what that means, we can help you with. And we'll talk about that next week. That's why I want to stop this preach here and carry on next week so that we can have enough time to discuss that. 
But I want you to consider where you are in your standing about the word. Is it something that you've lost the value of? And that you this morning need to say, God, I'm sorry. Because in ignoring your word, I've been ignoring you. That's the reality, folks. It's not condemning any one of you. It's just saying if you've been ignoring the word and have been slack about the word, it's actually an indication of your reverence for God and your pursuit of Him. And God wants to restore that by your willingness to say, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And to stand and say, I recognize the beauty of your word. I want to return to a lifestyle not just reading, 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 but perceiving, taking it in. Now let's pray together. God, I thank you just that we can talk about something that is so real. That it's something that has been preserved for us over so many thousands of years. The beauty of your word. And this morning, Lord God, as your people, I pray that you will help us return where it's needed, Lord God. Where we become ignorant, perhaps slack and lazy, and um, full of excuses why we can't read or don't understand the word. And actually in that we've been ignoring you. So we pray, God, for your grace and your forgiveness upon us as your people as individuals. Lord, I pray that our hearts will be open. I just think of that song, Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is truth. Maybe that's what we are asking, Lord, this morning and saying, we've been very slack, perhaps in areas of just considering your word and observing your word. But Lord God, we want to end this moment by saying, here's my heart, Lord. I offer my heart to you. I don't understand the word always, but I offer my heart to you. And I say, please speak into my life through your word. Please speak into my life through your word. I want to ask you as you stand, let's sing the song together. This is a moment between you and God, right? Forget about the people around you. In terms of what we've been talking about, the value of the word in our lives what it should be and what it may not have been. And if you need to respond by saying, Jesus, please forgive me. I want to come in line with just observing, reading, studying. And as I said, we'll help you. But firstly, the heart change needs to come. Let's sing that together as a prayer to the Lord. Thank you.